Time for breakfast. Trauma for Breakfast is a crowded table of wounded children, parents, spouses, caregivers, and weary souls. Together, we join in honest conversations about the behaviors and challenges of parenting and working with children who have experienced trauma. There's always room for one more at the table to share in the stories, science, and healing as we learn to better understand and care for each other. We are a table without shame or judgment because life can be hard and lonely, and we all know that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I'm Stacy. I'm a mother of seven children and have fostered for over 13 years. As an RN and former public school teacher, I quickly realized this type of parenting was not taught in a textbook or class. Let's learn together to parent different, not harder. Welcome to Trauma for Breakfast. Hey everyone, I'm Krista, producer for Trauma for Breakfast. We always keep rolling after the interview ends, as most times great conversations continue, like this one with Stacy and Doug after episode 24. Doug shared great information on trauma and substance use recovery. So here's the producer's outtake with Stacy and Doug Dolan. These are complex issues. How do I encapsulate it without going on and on? But this is usually where people don't get the help that they need. They think they just got to work on one facet. And it's like, but don't miss these other components over here. One of the things really quickly that you had as a question that you emailed me, and I know you said we might not be able to get to it. You know, what's the barriers for good treatment? Mm-hmm. And, and one issue on the barrier for good treatment is the individual that's not willing to get well. Like if somebody doesn't want to get well, it doesn't matter where you put them. Like they'll always, you know, try to fight, don't want to do it, don't want to change, don't want to take on what you're recommending. That's one barrier. Second is finances. You know, if somebody doesn't have the insurance or the money, it can be difficult to necessarily get that help. But the third one, which irks me the most, is bad treatment is a barrier to treatment because people will get into unwell programs and it'll teach them like, this is what it's like. I don't want to do that anymore. That was part of the story with my brother. Like I saw my brother 30 days before he OD'd and died. And I told him exactly what was coming for him. Like Andy, you don't have long, you need to get help. And he'd been through three other programs before. And he just talked about the horror stories of what he went through. He's like, why would I want to go do that again? And I said, yeah, you're not supposed to go do that again, but let's find you the programs that are good, that can get you the help that you need. Unfortunately, he decided he was going to try to do it on his own and it cost him his life. Doug, what do you look for in a quality program? How do, how do I know if I'm, I'm helping my brother or my friend or my family member find a program, what am I looking for and what questions am I asking? One is, is how long's the program? Because again, if it's 30 days, it's like, but where do we go from there? Because I know 30 days isn't going to be enough, right? That's like if we just focus on somebody who needs help with trauma, can you heal somebody all of their trauma inside of 30 days? Not possible. You might stir some things up. You might create some awareness. You might be able to give them maybe like a grounding technique, but they're not adept to now just send them back out in the world and they're healed from trauma. So one is time. Two is, who do they have on staff? Who do they really have on the team? Is that going to meet the needs of all the things that we work on? The third thing is, I would always ask them the trauma question. Because if they're kind of like, well, what are you talking about? Or they don't have a good answer, 
you know that, okay, you guys aren't going to deal with it in any kind of adept way. And I know you're probably going to put more salve on the symptoms than you're going to get to the root of things that are going on. And like I shared in my email back to you, again, I've had about a thousand people through my program in the last 10 years. About 980 of them all have all been through multiple programs before or working with therapists or in psych units or things of that nature, 100% of them have never done an ACE assessment before. And it's like, how is that possible? Like, what are they working on? You know, and how do you personalize the program to the individual? Because you don't want kind of a paint by numbers approach where, yes, like I'm teaching a class right now on the pleasure pain principle. So there are certain things that I'm going to walk people through that they're all going to go through, but I have ways of personalizing it to them through questions and self-assessment scales and things of that nature. So they can feel like, hey, you're addressing my issues, my needs, right? Those are some of the different aspects that I would look at. The, the last one would be, be very leery of the programs that say, oh, yeah, we work with all these things, but can't articulate how they work with it. Because a lot of programs just try to take anybody. We don't just take anybody. I appreciate you saying all those things. One thing I would add with your ACEs quiz, one of the things that I do now when I'm working with teachers and parents, I also not only do I do ACEs because I believe that we parent how we were parented and we teach how we were parented. Like yes, we are yes. informed by our childhood, how we respond to, to children. I started doing Dr. Mary Main has an adult um, attachment interview okay. and I do an, a soft adult attachment interview and just go through these questions with individuals and they answer them. And it's, it, it is so enlightening because it's almost like you start recognizing yourself and your parents, but then going, oh, my mom did that because this is how she was parented. It, like you, it's almost like you start unraveling things a little bit. It really, really has helped me personally a ton to recognize some of the things that I do that maybe aren't super healthy or some of the things that I do or that are really healthy and how that was informed by my, my parents. And when you recognize it, then you're able to, in the moments go, oh yeah, no, I'm not responding to this. This is a trigger for me, or I'm going to step back a minute, take a breath. But I feel like when you do ACEs and you add that soft adult attachment interview by Dr. May Mary Main, it is life-changing to recognize because you earlier, you even stated ACEs doesn't cover everything. Right. It doesn't cover poverty. It doesn't cover racism. It doesn't cover growing up with a, with a sibling who has severe special needs and passes away. I mean, it doesn't cover those things, mm -hmm. but when you do that attachment interview, it actually unpacks a lot of that. So yeah, no, I, I very much appreciate that. And actually, as you were sharing that, you know, quick real world scenario, I have a guy that was in my program, whose mom uh, was high and drowned when he was eight. And so he has this traumatic experience, mom was high, mom drowns. And his therapy, so he was in multiple programs before coming to our program, he said, my last therapist just had me get angry with my mom. And it's like, how did that help you? And she's like, well, you need to get angry with your mom because she abandoned you and all these things. And I'm like, hang on a second. Let's take a different approach. Before she was mom, she was who? He talked about like her family of origin, which is this 
massively dysfunctional, traumatic situation. I said, take her name mom off of it. Can you understand how a woman who is in this tremendously dysfunctional, traumatic environment, when she isn't taught any other coping skills, would go out and soothe by using? Like, could that be possible? He was like, absolutely. Like, I could see it. And it's like, so, and we just walked through some things. And this was actually on the 20th anniversary of her mm -hmm. passing. Took him to the gravesite of where he was at. He had this tremendous release where he's now at this different piece and has this different dynamic in a relationship mm -hmm. with mom. Instead of working on resentments towards mom, it's like, who was she? How did she become this way? And what you said earlier, I'm a huge believer in, I'm not trying to excuse things. I'm just trying to explain them so I can understand what they are. So again, I can get into right action about them. Empathy, genuine, healthy empathy is a beautiful thing. And empathy doesn't mean I have to enable or I just have to support. It may mean, no, I need to detach with love but I still have empathy for you. And so we get into all those dynamics. The last one, by the way, on a good program is how do you work with the individual holistically? So that mental, the emotional, the physical, the spiritual, and where do you teach people a new way of living? A lot of programs will stabilize you. They'll give you a little bit of education, but they don't teach you a new way of living. And so we get into all those things. Again, my one goal for everybody who comes into my program, I tell them they're like, what, to get sober? I'm like, no, that's the start of things. I want people to have a massive transformation as quickly as possible. And how do we get you on to becoming the best version of yourself? Anything short of that is like, I'm failing you. But thank you again. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm sorry if I got kind of long winded. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering if you can send me some of your stuff on the um that you're teaching on pleasure and pain. Oh, I absolutely can. Okay. I'll send you the list of like different classes that I've developed. I'm a voracious student. I study like crazy. Another great one is Dopamine Nation. Yes, uh, I I've just finished that. Yep. Dr. Anna Lemke. That book is incredible because we've done yeah. um we've done a, a podcast technology and teens and uh -huh. we've started doing some classes around that with parents hmm. and informing them like, hey, you are these apps are laced with dopamine. You are literally giving your kid a drug. That's right. Right? That's right. So and when you look at the average age teens are on their their tech, their devices and so it's crazy. My my teenagers have gab phones which are dumb phones. No gab, I know one of the founders of that. See, and so I'm a big I'm I'm marketing for him man. That guy right. should give me a cut because yeah. I'm <laughs> marketing for that man. I'm a big fan of like hey, what you don't have you don't owe your kid this. You do not have to give your kid an iPhone. You're yeah. literally yeah, yeah. giving them a gateway to porn and everything. I'm like, no, they're allowing all that social stress and bullying and crap then to follow them home. Because when I got home from school every day, I didn't bring home all the kids that were mean to me or all of the stuff, the social pressures. I came home and I was home. Yes. Now our kids come home with a phone that has all of the social pressures and all of the stressors and all the bullying. So hyper plugged into unhealthy things. And the other thing that we have to watch in that too is a lot of these things are engineered to hyper stimulate and get people addicted, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can live out through the uh, all these other experiences and going back to like Bessel van der Kolk, you know, the body keeps the score. It's like, am I starting to feel all these emotions and virtually living out all these different scenarios? 
that I don't even understand how it's changing, rewiring my brain. It's changing the way that I feel and think and how I engage the world. It's like, that's not healthy. We're so thankful that you all shared in today's conversation. We are always here and ready to set one more place at the table. Thanks for joining us on Trauma for Breakfast. Trauma for Breakfast is brought to you and supported by Matt Force, working together to reduce substance abuse, and Yavapai County Community Health Services, working toward healthier communities.